Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Tina and I am one of God's oracles. And my name is Terry and I am one of God's warriors. Sound crazy? Welcome to our world. Before we start today's episode, I would like to remind you that if you'd like to join our VIP club, just text the word oracle to the number 22452 where you will receive special offers and notifications of all new episodes and any upcoming news that we might be putting out. You can follow us on Twitter at God's Oracle 12, or you can follow us on Instagram at Becoming an Oracle. Also, please rate and review us on whatever podcast provider you use. Also, please go to iTunes and rate and review us. I know it's a hassle to sign in and everything, but it really, really helps us to be able to stay on the charts so that people can find us. So please go and do that. So let's get started on our story today. When Terry and I chose the subject for this season, I took a poll of my friends and family of what miraculous story that they've heard over the years from our family really stood out to them. I would say that probably 98% of everyone chose the story I'm going to tell you today. So my story begins one evening I was driving home from work. I commuted an hour each way. It would have been probably about 5.30, close to 6. This specific day, it was raining so hard. It was that type of rain that you can barely even see the hood of your car. Part of my drive home was actually a back road and it was paved and it actually was pretty well traveled, but it was a one lane each way and I believe the speed limit was probably 60 or so. It's It's been several years and I was driving through and it was very, uh, the road itself is windy and there's a lot of trees and foliage on the sides of the road. So seeing long distances was a little bit difficult, plus the absolute just downpour of rain. I was driving and I just got this really weird feeling uh, as I was getting ready to go around a curve that I needed to slow down. I was going well under the speed limit at the time just because it was raining so hard, but I got this really strong feeling that I needed to slow down. So so I did. I, sl- I started to slow down and as I was coming around the corner right in front of me on the opposite side of the road, there had just been a horrific accident. And I, I mean, one of the worst I've ever seen. It had just happened. There was still smoke coming from the car. There was steam and it was, it was really, really bad. So I pulled over on the side of the road because I do have first aid and medical knowledge. So I pulled over on the side of the road and I ran over to the car The car was a convertible, and the top was missing. The only person I saw was a young man in the driver's seat, and he was not breathing. It had been a really traumatic wreck that um, the, the car had flipped and hit some trees. I realized that this young man is um, trapped in the car by his legs, and there's no way that I would be able to get him out to do CPR. So I started to climb into the car to start chest compressions. And I hear this voice say, you can't help him. You must help his friend. Everything's happening very fast. More people are coming and people are yelling. And 
I am very focused on doing CPR on this kid. I know he's gone, but he's so young, and I didn't want to give up. And I hear this voice again that says, My child, now, his friend. And I sat up and I said, Was there a passenger? And I said, Is there another victim? Is there another person? People are looking around and they're saying, no, no, he, he's by himself. And I said, are you sure? I heard father say, he's by the tree. Go to the tree. And I said, over by the tree. It looked by the trees. And about 100 feet away from the car lay this kid, early 20s, face down in the water. We dug a trench to get the water away from his face and hold his face up. We didn't want to move him because he had been thrown from the car and hit the tree. And he was unconscious. We held his face up, and I just shielded him with my body because it was pouring, and the water was running in his face, and and I just kept saying, come on, kid, come on, kid. Stay with me, stay with me. It's not time yet. Stay with me, stay with me. And I swear, it felt like a hundred years before the ambulance got there, but they finally did. And the paramedics told me what hospital they were taking him to. And, and I didn't I didn't have a whole lot of hope. He was bad. And I just stood there in the pouring rain. And I just thought, I thought of my own girls. And I thought, he would have died there. The foliage around everywhere was so tall. Nobody would have ever seen him. He would have died there. And I just said, Father, thank you. Thank you. I went back to my car. By this time, Terry's calling me and on my cell phone and saying, where are you? Is everything okay? Because I was obviously quite late. I called him back and I said, look, I'll, I'll explain when I get home. I'm okay. I'm fine. I drove home, cried the whole way home and begged Father to be with the family of that boy that I couldn't save. And to be with the young man that had been taken to the hospital and to be with their families. The next day, I saw an article in the paper about it, saw the names of the families. And I contacted the young man that had gone to the hospital. I contacted his family and asked them if they would just keep me updated on how he was doing. And they told me that he had severe internal injuries and a severe head wound and that he had been in surgery for a very long time and that he was in a coma. They told me that they would let me know when he was out of the ICU and that I could come and see him if I would like to. And I said I would very much like to. In the interim, the other young man, who I couldn't save, his brother got my information from the family of the boy in the hospital, and he called me. He needed to ask questions, and I met with him, and I answered everything that I could, and I told him I was so sorry that I couldn't save his brother. So I took the day off uh, when the funeral came, and I went, and I stood at the back just to pay my respects I had so much guilt that I couldn't save him. I didn't understand yet that it wasn't my place to save him. So as the service is winding up, there are these sweet girls 
and they are walking around and they are passing out roses. And I realize that these roses are for each person to go up and put a rose on the casket. As they keep <laughs> passing these roses out and they're getting closer and closer to me, I can see that they're starting to run out of roses. So I keep moving farther and farther away thinking they'll run out of roses and then I can just kind of scoot back to my car and nobody will even know I was there. And to my horror, when they ran out of the roses, one of the young girls just reached under a table and pulled out another box of them. So I was kind of caught. Then I was kind of stuck in this line of people and it would be more obvious for me to have stepped out of the line than to just go along. So I followed through this line and it came my turn to come up and put my rose on the casket and I glanced over at the mom and the brother of this young man and I see the brother say to the mom, that's her. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I put my rose on the casket and I started walking very quickly to my car. As I am walking to my car, I hear footsteps running behind me. And this kid's brother stops me and says, ma'am. And I turned around and he said, my mom would like to talk to you. And I thought, you know, anything she's going to say, I deserve it because I didn't save this kid. And so we walked back over to where his mom was, and I prepared myself for whatever she needed to say if her son had died. And if she needed to yell and scream, if she needed to be mad at someone, I would take that. And this sweet angel of a woman steps up to me and puts a hand on either side of my face. And she said, I'm so grateful that it was you that was with him at the end. I am so grateful that if he could see it was your beautiful face and those beautiful eyes. And I just cried. And I said, I'm so sorry I couldn't save him. And she said, my child, you weren't meant to. A few weeks later, I got the call that I had eagerly been waiting, that the other young man was awake. So I went to the hospital and I walked into his room and there he was, laying on his bed by himself. There was nobody else in the room. And he looked up and he looked into my eyes. And I said, do you know who I am? And he said, I don't know your face, but I know your voice. You were there. You kept telling me to stay with you. You kept telling me to stay. Your voice makes me feel safe and at peace. That young man and I stayed close for many years and as life is want to happen, we have drifted away and only stay in contact now on social media. But I feel so blessed, so blessed to have been even a small part of that young man now having a chance at life. I know there are things that we discuss in the podcast sometimes that may seem a little far-fetched, but you don't have to believe us. Just ask Father. He'll tell you the truth. Ask Father. He'll never lie to you. Until next time, love eternal, God's oracle. Stand for truth, God's warrior.